Thank you, Tony. Good Friday evening, everybody. So thanks for those few who responded to that greeting. Uh, I'm going to give you an occasion to respond as well. Thanks for responding over here. I think primarily uh, the front few, few, few rows responded. Everybody's going to have the occasion. I know it's Friday night. I know you're tired. Listen, I'm older than you, and I'm tired, so get over it. Let me just say to you, good Friday evening, everyone. Hey, thanks for coming. Listen, I want you to know I, and, and I mean this when I say this, I count it an honor. I count it a privilege to be with you at this rally. I've been to the rally before. I'm coming back to the rally in some way, shape, or form. I'm a big fan of rallies, uh, especially uh, rallies like this. I love the opportunity to interact and connect and encourage and to be encouraged. I recognize many faces in the room, people I've known for decades, decades, some of you haven't been on the planet for decades, but I remember when some of you were born, hey, hey, but I recognize many of you from all over the country, and it's just great to be together. I pray that we might mutually be encouraged this weekend. I need you to pray. If you're a praying person, uh, and you know what I mean by uh, saying that, if you're somebody who prays, would you just pray, my voice is not what it typically is. I'm not sick, fret not, I'm not sick. But the reality is something's happening with my voice, and it's just not uh, as powerful uh, as perhaps it has been in the past. But we're going to bring it. It's better in the morning, and it kind of uh, leaves me by this time. So let's close in prayer. I'm just kidding. But if you're a praying person, would you please just pray? Please just pray. Uh, again, let me introduce, I know many of you, most of you, but I don't know all of you, so I look forward to uh, uh, having you introduce yourself to me later, or I'll connect with you and we can, uh, we can enjoy getting to know one another. But if uh, you don't know me, allow me to introduce, I'm John, J-O-N, uh, Glock like the gun. I hail from uh, Dubuque, Iowa, <clears throat> as many of you know. How many people from Dubuque? Just curious. Let's hear you. Seriously, Dubuque is well represented, uh, well represented, uh, as other metropolises are represented as well. Yes, yes. Thank you all for being here, uh, no doubt. My wife, Katie, often is not with me, uh, but we're involved in youth ministry together, and so my bride is here again, K-A-T-I, Katie. Welcome her, please, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. She, uh, she hates it when I do that. And I often, I often refer to her as my, uh, my queen, my bride, my sweet, my fair one. And she cannot stand when I do that. And so I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. I'm not going to do that. But it is, uh, it is good to serve together. We love that. Doing life together and serving together. Uh, our oldest daughter, Anna Kate, is with us. Uh, yep, and uh, our, our youngest and only son, Johnny, uh, is in the house as well. We have a dog um, named Wrigley Lambo. Wrigley Lambo. Let me just tell you why. I grew up in Chicago, 60148. Uh, Katie grew up in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Green Bay, Wisconsin. So there you have it. Notice I'm wearing a, a, a green sweatshirt with a little uh, golden uh, polo, if you will. I've been influenced greatly by my wife and the Green Bay connection, but we've kept the Chicago connection, so thus Wrigley Lambeau. Yeah. 
We call ourselves G-Force, not for any special reason, really, but just for fun. Uh, our family, we're known as G-Force, and we, we get to serve the Lord together uh, all over the country, and we count that uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I do work with a ministry formerly known as Believer's Stewardship Services. We've had a name change just for branding purposes and clarity, nothing beyond that, but we are now Legacy Ministry Services. And I work with that organization, and I get to connect with people, young and old, and all in between, about how they can take care of what God has given them. That's a lot of fun. But it affords me the chance to do this kind of thing as well, just connect with young people and try to encourage them from uh, the word, word. And so uh, I want to ask you a question. By the way, when Tony introduced the theme, you should have already known it, right? You memorized the brochure, you knew all the detail of this weekend, and so you were, you've been thinking for weeks, one life to live, what in the world does that mean, right? I know, you didn't know, but that's the theme, that's the theme, and I want to ask you this, I don't want you to say it out loud, it get confusing, but I want to ask you right now, when you hear that phrase, I'm going to give it to you again, it's going to be our first momo in just the twinkle, but when you hear the phrase, one life to live... What in the world comes to mind? Don't say it. Just think about it. One life to live. And I know some of you uh, who just bought into a little catchy slogan from back in the day. It dates you and it dates me. You might be thinking, YOLO. And I, I just say no to that because it's not a biblical concept. Just want to say you only live once is not really true, Right? And so this idea of one life to live, what in the wide world of sports does that mean? When I first heard the title, when I got the invite and, and I was encouraged to own that as our theme, you know what I thought of? A soap opera, honestly. That dates me. That dates me. But some of you, thank you for coming. Some of you thought that as well. What are we, life is not a soap opera. What are we talking about here? Sometimes it looks that way, right? Sometimes there is drama, but we're not uh, focusing in on lasering in on a soap opera, for sure. There is a poem. I brought a copy, right? A poem written by, listen to me when I say this, imagine, imagine this was your name. Back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, a gentleman named, watch this, C.T., does anybody know the rest? Stud. I love that. I mean, if you could pick a name, wouldn't that be a good name, fellas, to pick? C.T. Stud. Can you imagine being part of his family and what mom and dad might decide to name their children? Think about it. Ima. Doesn't that make sense? Yora. Nada for many of you, right? Crazy. But listen, C.T. Stud wrote a poem, and the refrain of the poem goes like this. Listen to this. I'm not going to pass them out, because when you do that, people just leave them. It's a waste of paper. But I have plenty for everybody. If you want one of these poems, come see me. It's loaded. You might have to think, because it's language that you may not use all the time, but it's okay to think. But in the refrain, in the refrain, it says this. Only one life will soon be passed. Anybody know how it finishes? Say it if you know it. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let me read you uh, uh, 
a last phrase or extra stanza of the poem. Will you please? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. I want to ask you an all-important question. Which life are you going to live? Which life are you going to live? We want you to realize, we want you to understand, we want it to penetrate your mind and heart, and you shouldn't be talking now, but we want you to think about the fact that the Lord Jesus offers abundant life. Abundant life, life full of meaning, life full of purpose, life full of significance, life full of, a full life is only brought to you and found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an option. Choose wisely. Another option, and some of you have bought into this option, another option is to pursue the stuff this world has to offer. All the trinkets, all the bells, all the flash, and all the whistles to pursue the stuff of this world. And some of you are hook, line, and sinker pursuing the stuff this world has to offer instead of what the Lord Jesus Christ has to offer. And so I want you this weekend to think about our phrase, right? One life to live. Matter of fact, I want to teach you uh, our first momo of the night. Some of you are troubled by this expression. Let me just qualify and clarify. When I say momo, I'm talking about the word motion, right? Motion, some of us grew up singing songs with motions or are familiar with the concept of motions. And so Momo Nation or motions, momos, are simply that, where you do motions, where you move a little bit based upon my uh, clear-cut guidance and instruction, and it helps you solidify in your mind and heart what we're talking about. I need all kinds of help. You know that. I know that. We all need help, help to recall and help to remember. And so the momos are intended to do that, Right? And so I'm going to give you one for tonight. But here's what you have to do. This is crazy. Even on a Friday night as we begin the reality, this is what you can do. You can stand up without speaking. It's crazy. I want you to try it. Stand up without saying anything. I'm not kidding. Friday night, and I, and I dare say we all did that. Don't clap. Don't make noise. But well done. Well done. So Momo number one, it's not going to be uh, terribly, uh, terribly creative, although it, it will be memorable. And there's a part at the end I want to add uh, that I need your help with because, again, the voice is not stellar tonight, so I'll need, need your help. Here's, here's the first part. We're simply going to do this for one. And you might be thinking, wait, that's two. But we're going to do one on each hand, and that's okay, right? I know. I know, right? We're going to do this. One... One, everybody can do it. I want to say this at uh, 9.39. We will be done by 10, Lord willing. But at 9.39, I want to just simply say this to you. None of you, <laughs> none of you are so gifted and, and, and so special that you can't do the momos, right? 
So if you're thinking, I'm not going to play, I want to just encourage you, get over you. It's so much more fun when you get over you. The sooner you get over you, the better, right? So we're all going to participate. What's the first part? I forget. I do. Thank you, Gerald. Thanks for coming. One, one like this. And then you're going to do a little tap on the hardage, if you will. You know, we know that uh, action. And so we're going to do that. We're going to say life. So it's this, right? One, life. And then you're going to bring two, right? And you can do double twos if you want. I don't care. Let's do double twos. So we're going to say one, life, two. And then life, the Christian life is often referred to as a walk, or as a race, right? And so what we're going to do, we're going to do one, this is the first part. I got to do this because I'm tired. One, life, two, and then we're just going to do like we're, we're running or about to walk, and we're going to say live as we do. Live, right? But here's the catch. Huskies, you know, other people know. Watch this. In the athletic arena, I used to play, now I watch, but in the athletic arena, there's a phrase that a lot of people use when they get excited. I've seen some of you use this phrase, and it's a phrase I really like. Tom Brady, whatever you think of TB, he uses this phrase a lot. But after we do one life to live, we're simply going to cup like this, and we're going to say, let's go. I can't do it, so I need your help. Will Cunningham, I've seen you do it, right? We do this, right? And so here we go. Okay. Put it all together. What is it all together? I don't even know. One life to live, and then we cup it, and we say, let's go. All right. Here we go. That's not bad for the first Momo, right? I mean, four parts and a little extra, let's go at the end. What a Friday night. I love this. Here we go. All together. Three, get loose. No one's too cool. Three, two, one. One, life, two, live. Let's go! Love that. Have a seat. Have a seat. Here's something that's crazy. Again, watch this. You can sit down without speaking. I know. Stand up without talking. Sit down without talking. Craziness. Yeah. Nick, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Nick, let me tell you something about Nick. He's a literal listener. I love that, Nick. Nick V. Mm, Much love. Thanks for paying attention. Nobody else was paying attention, Nick. You and me. We were lasered. Everybody else. Come on. Pitiful, really. Every time we have chapel, we're going to do a momo. Yes! But we're also going to pray. And here's what I want you to pray. It's not tricky. I've said this to you all over the country. If I've interacted with you, I want you to pray two things. God, that's, that's who we're talking to, our Father who art in heaven. God, would you please... Take away any distractions. I dare you to pray that, sincerely. Some of you are so distracted with stuff, it's it's mind-blowing. I brought a crew, we brought a crew of 18-ish, 22 with leaders, and guess what we collected before we even left Dubuque? Their phones. They're okay, they're making it, they're okay. Be great for... That's just a suggestion. I know how many other leaders collected all the phones? How many leaders have not collected all the phones? Listen, let's collect them right now. Let's have a collection. 
all the phones. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. But here's the thing. This is what I want you to hear me say. We're so stinking distracted, so distracted with absolutely meaningless stuff. I mean, let's be real. We're so distracted. And so let's pray and ask God to take away distractions. That's the first one. Secondly, let's pray this. They both start with the letter T. My mind's simple. It helps, right? God, take away distractions and teach me whatever you want me to learn. Would you pray those two things? God, please take away distractions. God, please teach me whatever you want me to learn. Let's pray those two things together. I'll do it out loud. You pray quietly, and we'll all pray together. Let's do it. Let's go. Father, what a treat, what a privilege, what an honor to be here. Bethany Bible Chapel, youth rally, young people from all over the place, not so young people as well, and we just praise you that we can all gather. We're not being persecuted. There's no grand risk for us in Cedar Falls, Iowa, other places, life is on the line to be able to open your word like this. And so may we count it a privilege. May we realize it's a blessing. And so tonight, for 15 minutes or so, guide us. Take away distractions, please. Wake us up physically, but more importantly, spiritually. We know there are people here that are just empty, that are just miserable, that are desperate to find meaning and purpose to life, and they've looked all over the place except in and through your son, the Lord Jesus. And so may they realize tonight that life is found in him. He's known as the way, the truth, and the life. And so I pray that they would turn from all that is false to the one who is true. So take away distractions so that might happen. And teach us, Father, what you want us to learn tonight. As we introduce our theme, One Life to Live, may we think about which life we want to live, and may we see in the days to come, in the sessions to come, how can we do it? How do we live this life? in a way that pleases you. So we, we ask that you'd be at work. I thank you for every young man and every young lady and all who are here. We pray that you would do a, a work. There's works happening all over the country. And may we be a people who are zealous for repentance and zealous for good deeds. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So truly and honestly, when I thought of the phrase, one life to live, I did think of the soap opera thing. I know some of you are with me. Uh, I did think of the poem by C.T. Studd, Only One Life Will Twill, it's Twill, old school, Twill Soon Be Past, Only What's Done for Christ Will Last. That went through my mind as well. But then I also thought of uh, some introductory comments and considerations in John chapter 10. 10 is what I said, 10. John chapter 10, let's turn there. 
it won't hurt. Go ahead if you have your Bibles, if you're allowed to use your phone for Bible apps only, or if you need a Bible, just raise your hand in the air like you just don't care, and Tony will give you one. If you need a Bible to look at, you may do so. John chapter 10. This won't hurt. We're not going to stay too long, but I want you to see something. This is in a section where uh, it's known as the I am statements, right? Uh, and it's actually a, a discourse uh, where Jesus is referred to as the good shepherd. And there's a little comparison and a contrast that's happening here. And the idea is to look at all, the, all those who have led poorly, all those who were in leadership roles and leadership positions and in position of influence, Pharisees and Sadducees, the leaders of the day, and Jesus wants to establish and make it clear that they haven't done a good job. They don't really care. They're not like the good shepherd. You know a phrase that it says about the good shepherd over and over and over again? I'm not going to study this with you. This is not our main text for the weekend. But if you want to dig deep on your own, look in John 10 and, and see if you can notice a phrase that it says about the good shepherd over and over and over again. You know what it is? He lays down his life. The good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, is one who is sacrificial, who is one who is willing to lay down his life for someone else. That's how we can have the good life. That's how we can get after one life to live by recognizing that it's ultimately found in the Lord Jesus. And notice what he says in 10.10. We're not going to stay here for long. I'm going to look at one more with you tonight as well, and we're done. D-O-N-E, done. John 10.10, look at what it says. The thief, the thief, and, and some people, especially lately, in the last several decades, have quickly concluded that the thief refers to Satan. One of the things that's important to do when you study the Bible is to look at the whole context, right? I know some of you have Bible teachers if you go to a Christian school and they teach you to study the Bible in light of the context. Some of you have been or will go to Emmaus Bible College, well done, and you'll be taught to study the Bible by looking at the context. And if you look at the context, he refers to, we see examples of influencers who influence poorly. Everybody is being influenced, and everybody influences. You might not get paid as much as other people do for absolutely doing nothing. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. I dare say it's almost unethical, but that's a whole other story, right? I'm old, 54. Okay. He's talking about influencers, those who have influenced poorly. But then he says, you want to know who I am? I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one who knows my sheep. I'm the one who is willing to give my life for these folks. And so it says in John 10, 10, a great verse, the thief the thief, not just referring to the enemy. It could be broadly interpreted in light of the rest of Scripture 
and you're supposed to interpret scripture in light of scripture, right? It could be interpreted the world, uh, the flesh, and the devil. That's a broad practical application. But in the context, it's talking about leaders in the day. And he says, and you can see it even earlier, look at verse 8 of John 10. All who came before me are, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, one of the other I am statements of the Lord Jesus, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to, listen to me. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Why in the world would you pursue a life that at its core is going to kill you? The thief, those, again, contextually who were not good shepherds, leaders, influencers, broadly, by way of application, the world, the flesh, the devil, comes to steal and to kill, and to destroy. And some of you are buying into that kind of life. Now, we do know in other passages in Scripture that uh, the enemy, the devil, is referred to as a lion, a lion, right? And he's seeking to do what? Does anybody know? To devour and to destroy And so it makes sense where people can conclude the thief has to be Satan. But I would say, look at the context and understand he's talking about those who have been poor shepherds, but I'm the good shepherd. I have come to lay down my life. Over and over, it says that about the good shepherd. Notice what it says in 10. 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. This is Jesus talking. Know what he says? I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Somebody tell me, if you're looking in your Bible at the end of verse 10, John 10, at the end of verse 10, what does your translation say? That you might have life abundantly. I'm reading from the New American Standard, and it said you might have the abundant life. What does your translation say? I'm just asking, what does it say? Say it out loud so I could hear it. Abundantly, if, uh, if you have something other than abundantly, what do you have? Oh, are you kidding me? Did you hear that? A rich and satisfying life. Jesus says, you know why I came? I came that you might have life. And when he's talking about life here, sports fans, he's talking about eternality. He's talking about eternality. He's talking about eternal life, but he's also talking about a rich life. I'm not talking about cash money. I'm talking about a life full of meaning and and purpose and satisfaction. I know many of you. (laughs) I do, and I want to get to know the rest. And here's what I want to say to you. Don't pursue the lie. We can see it often all over your faces. 
that you are so unsatisfied and unfulfilled and your life does not have purpose and your life does not have meaning because, hear me say it to you, you're not doing life with Christ. Listen to this quote. A guy named Dodd, I believe, uh, uh, made this statement. In comparison to those who were thief-like, the poor shepherds, if you will, Jesus, it says, listen, Jesus, on the other hand, not only came to bring spiritual life to people, but he came to bring the, watch this, the best quality of life to them. The eternal life that Jesus imparts is not just long, but it's also rich. He did not just come to gain sheep, but to enable his sheep to flourish and to enjoy contentment in every other legitimately good thing possible, an abundant life, an abundance of all that sustains life. Hear me when I say, hear me when I say, that if you want an abundant life, if you want an abundant, a full life, if you want a rich life, if you want a purposeful and meaningful life, it is only found in Christ. Otherwise, you will be sorely disappointed. And the end result, listen to me, the end result is death. It seems like every week I hear of somebody that I know who has died. That might not be true for you. You're a bit younger than I. But I'm hearing it all the time. People who have passed away not just because they're old, but for all kinds of other reasons. Death is all around us. And before we deal with abundant life in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to deal with death. Turn with me just for a moment to Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 11, by the way, in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the phrase. He lays down his life. He gives his life so others might live. Hebrews chapter 9, I want you to hear this. We're talking about one life to live. Let's go. We're talking about one life to live. But before we look at how to do that one life to live, we need to deal with death first. Death is a reality. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us so. Look at what it says, verse 27. Inasmuch, you watching, you with me? In the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Inasmuch as it, it, it is appointed for men, and that's not just the fellas, that's people. Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to what? To die once, and after this comes judgment. That statement is true for believers and unbelievers. 
I've talked to you before in this very room about the great white throne judgment, which is only for unbelievers, and the judgment seat of Christ, which is for believers. You got to have those things straight in your mind. But what does this verse tell us? Guess what? Unless Jesus comes back for his church, we're going to die. Do you understand that? For a believer, if you're a believer, if you're a believer, the reality is you will only die once at best or most. If you're someone who has never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you'll die twice. Physical death, which is what we all deserve because of our sin. People die ultimately because of sin but also this spiritual reality, which we also deserve. And for those who never trust in Christ, they will experience what is called the second death. And after the second death, you know what happens? You're cast into the lake of fire forever. That's real. This verse reminds us that this is true for everybody. It's appointed unto man, not just the fellas, people, wants to die, and then hammer time, judgment. True for believers and unbelievers. But notice what he says in the next verse. We often don't read that. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Now, what in the world does that mean? This is a large statement. When Christ came, Merry Christmas, the incarnation, when the Lord Jesus Christ came, when he appeared, the advent, that's what the word advent means, when Christ appeared, he did that for one reason. What is that reason? So he could die. He was born to die. Why? Because we all have sinned. And what we deserve because of our sin is death. And so Jesus Christ died so we would not have to. So when he came the first time, he came for the purpose of dealing with sin and death. But when he comes again, he's not coming in light of the reality of sin. He's, he's coming in light of the reality of salvation. Ha <laughs> ha! To get his own and to rule and reign with him as you consider all the events of uh, things yet to come. This is a great verse. But here's what is true. Some of you cannot have the second part of his coming relate to your reality because you haven't trusted in him. First time he came, he came so he could die. So you could have salvation and life abundant in and through him. He's coming back. And he's not coming back to deal with sin. He's coming back to bring about the completion of our salvation. Listen to these words again in light of that as we close. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins for many, that's his first time, right? Shall appear a second time. Why? For salvation, having nothing to do with sin, but to those who are eagerly waiting for him. He's coming back for us for those who belong to him. 
And so before we look at, and this is where we're heading in the next several sessions together, before we look at how to do life, how to do life, we need to first deal with death. And we'll pick up there in the morning. But I want you to think about these things. Have you dealt with death? And are you certain it's something you don't have to fear or dread? because of the one who came to die for you. Father, help us to think about these four words, one life to live. Help us to think about the good shepherd, the one who laid down his life, the one who is sacrificial, the one who, is, who gave his life so that we might have life eternal. Father, I desperately pray for those in this room, whether they're young or old or somewhere in between, that they might realize that real life, the good life, a life that is abundant, a life that is eternal, a life that is long and full, is found only in your son, the Lord Jesus. And so as we think about the phrase, one life to live, May we think about whether or not we've accepted eternal life in and through the Lord Jesus. And may we carefully think about the fact that it's appointed unto people once to die and then the judgment. What judgment will each in this room have to face? The great white throne, the judgment for unbelievers where they will experience the second death and then cast into the lake of fire? Or the judgment seat of Christ for believers where our lives will be evaluated? How have we lived our lives? How have we taken care of all that you've entrusted to us? So I pray that before we think about how to do life, may we think about whether or not we've dealt with death. So I pray that as these young men and women put their heads on the pillow tonight, they might ask and answer the question, have I dealt with death? Do I know for certain that I don't have to fear it and dread it and that I will not experience the second death, the final judgment, because I've trusted in the one who died for me? Stir, work, convict, we pray. And for those of us who have accepted the free gift, may we act like it. May we live like it. May we understand that doing life your way is the best way. So may we obey. We ask and pray. One life to live. Let's go. Help us to this end, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>